Level Playing Field podcast, episode two. Hello. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing very good. How are you doing, Hamza? I'm doing well. You keeping safe in the lockdown? I'm keeping safe. I'm staying home. I'm doing my bit. It's all good. How about you? Yeah, yeah, same. It's, you know, it's, it's not making me mad or anything. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> good small talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go on to Tracks of the Week. So this week, the first track that I wanted to talk about is Joy Crook's Anyone But Me. Love me or leave me and let me be lonely Inside my head there's a voice And if you don't know Joy Crooks, she's this amazing R&B singer from the UK. Um, she has these cinematic instrumentals almost with um, these live instruments playing. And if you don't mm. know her, just get to know her. She's amazing. Mm. One of, the, one of the best R&B singers that I'm into at the moment. Really, really, really good. So yeah, track two, um, for anyone interested in the more kind of experimental, like out there kind of shit, there's a band called Eagle with three R's. And check out this song called Opus Break. And it's basically, it fuses like every genre you can think of yeah so it's, it's so weird it's really weird really weird man you got break beats you got classical you got opera and you you got metal you got elements of industrial is it man just i can't really describe it you know just give it a listen check it out it's weird you you're not going to expect what's coming next just check it out check it out i really really <laughs> recommend it you might you, you might hate it but Check out anyway. Yeah, it it takes some getting used to, definitely. Right, so the third track that I want to talk about is by Knowledge. It's called It Can Be in Square Brackets So Nice. The track features Anderson Pack and they've they previously collaborated on No Worries. It was a joint album that they did and Knowledge has these amazing samples that he uses and his beats are so good. You know, he definitely learnt from Diller and Madlib and studied them to yeah. make these like so they're so smooth and this is such a good track because Anderson Pack comes with these R and B vocals that lay on top of the song and it's just so good. Like I definitely recommend checking them out. So I'm be honest I'm honest with you, Anzi, yeah. I've I've not listened to a knowledge album before. So where would you recommend I start? I definitely say No Worries is a good okay. good one to start with. Because, um, yeah, you obviously know Anderson Pack, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. can carry a song himself. He's a cheat code in music. Makes the song for you. Love for my love for my love for my love. Oh, we had some very sad news this week. Unfortunately, the great Black the Ripper passed away. Um, if you don't know him and his work, you need to check him out. He's very vocal on cannabis laws and activism on that side of things. And his music as well is comes through with some incredible bars. Watch his interviews as well. Very, very smart guy. Check out his F64 freestyle on YouTube. That was on SBTV. It's quite old, but it's really, really, really good. Um, good for kind of getting into his headspace a bit. And also check out this mixtape he released. It's a very, very old one with Chip and a guy called Cookie. It's called Motivation Music. And it's, it, yeah, it's just straight grime. Give it a listen. Definitely, man. Rest in peace to the dude. Rest you know, in peace. You showed me that video of him going into McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> these big pots of He's weed. Legend, and man. Oh, that, 
that was such a good video. It's yeah. He's getting the point across. Yeah. Shame to lose him. This week's episode is going to focus around the use of instruments, especially we're doing two R and B albums, and they're they're very different. We got Thundercat, who is a virtuoso yeah. with the bass guitar. It's incredible. And then we got Party Next Door, who. Yeah. Party next door. So, how have you been finding instruments have played a role in the music industry at the moment? Well, it kind of goes on from what we were talking about last week, wasn't it? With the 80s and kind of analog stuff coming back. Because I reckon last decade there was a whole. With 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 technology coming so far, most of pop was just kind of in the box production, very electronic, very mm. sparkly, perfect pop tracks. Yeah, I mean, we've always had phases coming in and out. You know, in in the noughties, we had a big rock thing come up. You know, you had mm. all these emos bands and definitely pop yeah. punk guitars and all sorts. Um, but I think generally with pop for a while, it hasn't been the big thing to have a live band and live instruments. But here's the thing, though. You say that, but do you know the biggest selling album of the 21st century? Go on. It's 21 by Adele. Okay. The, the second biggest selling album of the 2010s is 25. No way. Yeah, man. Well, well, I guess that makes sense. She's basically Beyonce, but white. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've never met anyone who actively dislikes her music. Even recently you know look at Ed Sheeran ginger guy with a guitar singing song I definitely think you have to consider the mum market oh yeah <laughs> take that all of that shit like <sighs> yeah they're, they're definitely not listening to all the trap that's coming out mm. don't think that's aimed at them at all it's there's all these songs that you forget about that, that are doing really high in the charts but because we're all in our own bubble of music yeah, yeah, that yeah. you don't don't actually think of it like Lewis Capaldi is really the top at the moment. Yeah. And he's got these really mellow, basic piano and mm. guitar songs that the the production really is not the focus in those. It's just his but songwriting. It's it and... classic mum pop, I think. Yeah. Like, even my mum. Mum pop. Likes Lewis, Lewis yeah, Capaldi. Yeah. Man. I think that's what it is. That's mum pop has been keeping classic instruments alive. <laughs> That's, that's so like a shout, way putting, shout out yeah. to the mums. <laughs> I reckon, you know what else though, right? I don't think we can really have this conversation without mentioning Dr. Dre. Oh, yes. Because he was he was the original kind of innovator when it came to using live instruments in hip-hop. So if you look yeah. at... He, this, this kind of started on when he was working on, on, on NWA's second album. Um, and obviously, most notably, The Chronic. And that's when he was kind of going for the sound of the old P-Funk albums. And he was basically bucking the trend, bucking the hip-hop trend up until that point of just using samples and drum machines, and that was it. He was getting live musicians in to recreate that classic vibe and sound. And that was kind of a massive turning point for hip-hop because he was being criticised for using live instruments. So, you know, I think I think it's wow. a great example of you know risk taking being the difference between good and classic i mean yeah that was back in the yeah. 90s as well isn't it so. exactly man. there's so much shit to talk about with the chronic though like and it's it's not like you've taken any influence from him you know <laughs> he stole your name nah no way no way <laughs> dr k dr dre man what do you want to know? <laughs> 
So the first album we're going to talk about today is by Party Next Door and it's called Party Mobile. We've never really listened to Party Next Door, had you? I knew like two of his songs, um, one called Not Nice and one called Come and See Me. I might have heard him before, but I couldn't tell you. So I was kind of curious going into this. And I have to say, when I started, I wasn't that curious about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This was a struggle, man. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) It's just like, it's not even bad, I would say. It's just very, very mediocre. As you said, it's not it's not a bad album, yeah. It's not even exceptionally terrible. It's it's not even no, it, like some guilty pleasure shit. It's produced yeah. well and it works as music. Exactly. It's just not interesting. It's just it, it sounds good for what it is, but that's not the problem mm. with it. It is just from start to finish, it's just very mediocre, which is arguably <laughs> the worst kind of bad. You know, it's not yeah. even so bad it's good. It's just, it's just, it's just boring. I, I can't imagine that he listened back to this album and was excited by it. No. Maybe for oh, this is gonna sell well. He was excited by that, but I don't think he, the music excited him. The album itself is over fifty-five minutes, man. And if an album is over fifty-five minutes, it's gotta be an engaging listen. <laughs> you know, the, I, I didn't feel like there was anything in this album that kept me interested. There were no standout nah. moments. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. It felt like a chore to get through. I have to agree. I mean, if we look at some of the features, we had Drake on here yeah. on the song Loyal. Yeah, I didn't even notice he was in, in there for the first yeah, listen. Yeah. I feel like with this album, right, I get having a pop appeal. And I don't have a problem with like artists releasing something with the intention of it just being popular. But I feel like at least with Future Nostalgia and people like Max Martin, you know, there's there's still that musical focus and it feels like they're doing something new and exciting. Whereas mm. to me, Party Mobile just feels like stale leftovers from a lot of the mediocre music of last decade. And I'm going to be honest, I'll probably yeah. never listen to it again in my life. It's No, unless someone forced me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. It's just nothing... There's nothing new going on here. It just felt lazy and safe, you know? Um, yeah, I have um, to agree. I mean, overall, I'm not it, feeling it. I don't typically like this type of music anyway. Like, even the really good stuff, mm. it's I don't think it's for me. But this, I think you really have to be into that chilled out, yeah, vibey yeah. music. And But for me, it's like people don't listen to this loud. It's either at a party in the background. Yeah, or yeah, just, definitely. You know, that kind of thing. No one's paying attention to it. Yeah, it's, it's just background there. music. It's That's just what there I call it. To fill the you space. Know? Normally I have green, yellow, red. That's how I decide for the tracks. It's either good, meh, or bad. This is all yellow. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing that I thought was good, and there's nothing that I thought was bad, especially. There were a couple that I thought were bad. Were there any on here that you liked? I'm going to be honest with you, Hamza. Not really. I would say that there was one track on here that wasn't a good track, but it was better than the rest of them by Miles, and that was Believe It with Rihanna. I think if this album had a saving grace, it would be Rihanna's feature. 
it's it, it just feels like the only breath of fresh air it was so nice to hear her voice exactly Do you know that like when when you start the song and then she comes on I've never been so happy to hear Rihanna in my life. <laughs> that's that's a good way of putting it, man. It's... Like, Jen, it, she was a breath of fresh air for this album. Because, like I said, the only other feature that we had was Drake. And I didn't even notice that he yeah, was on too. that song the first time I listen, through. I listened to it for the first time and I just got I got towards the end of the album. I was like, hang on, it, it wasn't the Drake feature like a few tracks ago. So when I, when I went back to Loyal, I was like, oh shit, that's Drake. It's, it's, it's such a bad choice of song. Like, I feel if you're going to get Drake on a feature, yeah, one of the biggest artists in the world, mm. you need it to pop. You need it to be that, that album highlight. You need it to be the biggest moment on your album. But this is just so forgettable and, and mediocre, man. How did you find the track? So we said we liked Rihanna, but how was the song? Hmm... <sighs> not really <laughs> there's nothing special about it like rihanna's hook was not a very good hook the only thing i liked mm. about it was the fact that it's rihanna and it's just yeah. a nice change from parties kind of droning monotonous voice even the production was slightly better than the rest yeah yeah. so yeah. i feel like there's a thing with this album and i'm sure we'll talk about it later but They've kept everything really dulled down. I feel like they, they're not putting... There's, n- there's no distortion on anything. Like, they wouldn't dare touch that. No, that's they, true. Everything's got, everything's <laughs> got, like, this filter to make it sound just less. Just dead. Yeah. Oh, that's, what's yeah. the opposite of distortion? It's like just, they've turned everything down <laughs> to a point where it's it's just, just dull and just lifeless. Dull and boring, yeah. They, like they they don't want Wouldn't any instruments. It's the complete opposite of the Weekends album. Mm. Whilst the Weekend like blared it in your face and had them really loud and present, this turns them down to a point where they're barely even recognisable. We'll come on to that later because that yeah really pissed me off. But I do think for this song, believe it, you know it had the guitar sample, vocal chops. It had some alright stuff bit, in there. Still, it's it's just. Mm. I would have liked to hear a, a verse from Rihanna or just more more lyrics. Just her singing some more different words. Just just more Rihanna. Just, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of party, just just Rihanna. Like so much yeah. nicer to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> We're ripping this apart. <laughs> so you know in Thundercat the first song leads into the second one yeah, really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an intro of the album. This one, this one does that because you don't realise the song has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, man. But yeah, I think they've really doled down everything mm. to a point. It is just background music. I can't say anything more about it. How did you find the second track? Which one was that? Turn Up. Okay, so turn up. Right, the first lyric on this track is an interpolation of a very classic reggae tune. Right, do you know the song World of Reggae by Ini Kamuzu? No. Right, so check it out. This, it's done nothing with, with, with this interpolation. You know, it's got no depth to it. It just feels pointless. They've not gone on from that at all. They've not built on the concept. 
It doesn't add anything to the lyrics. You know, it in a way it feels like it's there just so that people can recognize that interpolation and feel smart because they recognized it. You know, it's mm. the the lyrics of the song itself is just very generic bitches and money lyrics. It's nothing we've not heard before. It's exactly the the thing people complain about when they talk about generic rap. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I, I can kind of see all the appeal of this. You know, the hook's got some catchy stuff to it, and the song it's it's got a bit of a bounce to it, but it's really dulled down. I think mm. that's the theme for this album. It's just we keep saying background music. That's all I can say about this. Do you know another thing about this song? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but. It's the same verse twice. Verse one and verse two. Same lyrics. I was so tuned out with the lyrics, I didn't even catch that. But do you know the thing with that, right? Is that's been done a lot of times before, right? So yeah. Mr. Brightside, for example, one of the biggest pop songs ever made. That's mm. same verse twice. Ticket to Ride by the Beatles. Nothing Else Matters, Metallica. Loads, loads, loads of bands and artists have done this. But generally... There's something interesting going on lyrically and thematically and musically that they, they can kind of get away with it. Whereas, you know, again, as 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 I said, it's, it's just this song is literally just very generic, shallow lyrics about bitches and money. And to mm. me, it doesn't feel like a creative decision. It feels like they just wanted to get the song done and out of the way and they couldn't be bothered to pay any more writers. Did yeah. not like the song. So... We mentioned Loyal earlier. How did you find that track? I'm going to be completely honest with you, Hamza. I did not notice the Drake feature when I was listening to this through for the first time. Was... Yeah, no, I, I had to... I, I stopped the track afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, was Drake in there? And I started yeah. scrubbing through it. And even then, I could barely yeah. make out <laughs> the difference between them because they, they do sound quite similar. But like even then... It, Maybe it was the mix or something. Drake wasn't really brought out, and he's his part was so small anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. that it, I had to go into the lyrics and find out which bits were him. I feel like it was just the wrong key for him. I think mm. it was it, it felt too high, and he he sounded way too similar to Party. Yeah, and yeah. it's just a bad choice of song for a feature. Uh, I mean, I, look, I'm not averse to Drake. I'm not a Drake fan, but I think he does what he does very well. But it's just a wasted opportunity to add a bit of excitement to the album as they do with, well, kind of do with the Rihanna feature. You know, you, you hear you hear that song, you hear Believe It, and you're like, yo, that's Rihanna. It's a creative decision because yeah. you've got big names on here. You've got Murder Beats on production, Cardiac, mm. Alex Tumain, mixing engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, big people. And it's all, you know, they, they've done this to service probably Party Next Door or... Um, you know, this is what they're oh, going the for. Label. Yeah, yeah. Did didn't like this song. Like the the hooks, the only draw I can see to it, and even that I wasn't a fan of. The track "Another Day," I really like the rhythms on here, and I think the the track itself is really good. But I just wish it'd gone a little bit harder. They turned the instruments up, and maybe another rapper would have made it go really hard. But yeah, I'm, it's, it's mm. difficult at the moment because. Just the the way it's mixed and to me it his just vocals felt like don't... another run of the mill trap song. Your absolute least favorite is never again. 
Yeah, I I don't think I can disagree with you here. Here's here's my problem with this song, right? It's not because it was just another bang average song. And it's not even because throughout the whole song, he's trying so hard to imitate Young Thug, right? It's because at the end of this song, there is a synth solo. And this would have made it my favorite on the album by miles. But it's been turned down. To the point that you can hardly hear it. I, I'm struggling to understand why they've done that. <laughs> and it's really, really, yeah, I think... really pissing me off. Because from what I can hear, it is a very good solo. I think it's, it's just, just a bit you texted but me. But no good if it's inaudible. It's like Nav's verse on Astro World. Yeah, literally, on, on yours, mate. <laughs> I'm struggling to, to find words to express my, my frustration with this song, man. It's All the instruments are turned down. Nothing is allowed to shine on here except Party Next Door. It Not w- even Drake. Exactly, man. I'm surprised Rihanna did so well. Literally, oh, man. It it feels like either it was a mistake um, and they'll do what they did with Nav's verse um, on Yozmite and re-upload, re-upload it with a fixed mix. I, right? I can't see that happening. I can't see that I happening think it was either, intentional. Man. I feel like this was intentional because they didn't want to take the risk of venturing out fully into something outside of that safe boring trap zone on the rest of the album i would yeah. i would have I, I would hate to have been that synth player imagine <laughs> getting down an awesome synth solo yeah and then you listen to the final product and and it's not even there honestly i would have pre- yeah. i would have preferred this song if they just took out the solo completely so i so i didn't have it in mm. my head that there was something interesting going yeah. on i mean for me i didn't even it was frustrating, but I didn't notice that on first listen. What got me on first listen was the vocals and how he just sounds like... I don't know what's going on with the melodies here. He sounds like Young Fug, but with a voice crack. Literally, man. It's... <laughs> oh, man. It's, it, it's like... I think we've kind of got over autotune being yeah. this evil presence in the music industry. This demonstrates yeah. how not to use it. Exactly. I think the difference between like this and an artist like Young Thug is Thug's very he embraces his style, like he owns it, you know, he's he knows he knows what he's doing and he's using he's kind of pushing it to its limits. And that's that's yeah. I'm I I wouldn't call myself a Young Thug fan, but I respect him a lot for what he does. Um Oh yeah, but definitely. over here it just feels lazy, man. When people talk about yeah. Autotune being a cop out, this is a great example of that. We're, we're saying the same things for everything, I think. We are, man. We're going around in circles, definitely. It's it's a it's a very clear theme with this album that they've turned everything down and doled it out to the point where, you know, nothing's interesting and they only want Party Next Door to shine. It's like they've actively tried to make it as boring and as unadventurous as possible. Yeah. So, for me, it's going to be low, man. It's... I have to think because what have I scored low recently? And I can only think of the most recent Green Day album. <laughs> what was and that? For me, that was that was a two out of ten. <laughs> but that was that was like really bad. That was a bad album. This is not a bad album. But yeah, would I rather just... listen to that Green Day album? I I <laughs> guess so. <laughs> I'd rather listen Cause... to something that's so incredibly impressively shit than just subbing this ballroom. At least subbing that bad is kind of 
mentally stimulating and like this just mindless i think i'm gonna give it two out of ten and match it yeah just because if it was in the background it wouldn't annoy me i've i've given it a two out of ten as well i'll i would have given it a three out of ten if that synth solo was louder <laughs> well, well there you have it yeah the, the producers i don't know who did that you but, know alex to me mixed you know, that i think did he yeah I really like Alex yeah. Tume, but I can only think that he was told to do this. Yeah, He's probably blackmailed or something. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I want to say to Party Next Door, "Sorry, man, try again next time." Sorry, Party Next Door. <laughs> don't, 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 don't dull down your sorry, instruments. Yeah. yeah, it's off. We had such a good episode last week. Like in terms of the albums, were both amazing. Yeah. This is just wild. and. Whack. This is question whether I want to continue this podcast. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Let's go on to something more fun, and literally anything's more fun than this album. I have to yes. say, but technique of the week. Technique of the week. Check it out. Have a Technique of the week. This is the segment where Seth brings me a new idea for how he's going to make music, and I'm going to judge it. What have you got for me this week? All right. So this is the wall mic. And this is a technique for recording drums in the studio. Hold on. How do, how do you normally dr- record drums? Well, it all depends on the sound that you're going for, for example. If your drummer is playing something a lot more intricate, such as in a metal song, like a, a band like Tool, for example, you're going to have many different mics on all the different parts of the kit. Whereas if you're going for kind of, let's say, a roomier sound, a bigger sound, you'd use less mics. Right, the... the- the closer it is, the crisper the sound. A lot of the time, yeah. So tell me about this wall recording. You're sticking a mic up to the wall. All right, so by pointing it to, to, to the wall, you're picking up the reflections bouncing off the wall. If you think of it from a scientific kind of physics perspective, right, the way sound works is it's all reflections. You know, it's bouncing, it's bouncing off each wall. So, you, you, yeah, you're literally recording the reflections bouncing off. So... You, you, you're sticking the mic up, pointing towards this wall, then you gel it with the rest of your drum recording. Do, do you get a clear sound from it? Does the, does the drummer have to drum especially loud or something to nah, man, make it you just got to turn up the gain on the microphone so you're getting more signal coming into it. And it doesn't necessarily sound great on its own, but the thing you've got to bear in mind with drum recording is, is how all the different mics sound with each other. Yeah, and you, you kind of layer up the sounds don't you it all blends together to give you one whole drum image so by putting in this wall mic it makes the it makes the drum the whole recording feel a lot more in your face and just makes it sound fat and shiny and all glued up and i recommend trying it so you're into recording drums if you're looking for a new drum sound stick a mic up against the wall experiment with it man honestly there's no set way just see what sounds good. Sounds good. So, album number two, and I've been looking forward to this for a while, is Thundercat, It Is What It Is. I knew them changes of Drunk, obviously, because that was a huge, huge song. And obviously, I knew his work on To Pimp a Butterfly. I watched his Cave episode as well. Um, 
but yeah, I, I wasn't. I liked him as a personality and as a bass player, but I'd never taken the time to kind of delve into his discography. So I wasn't sure um, what to expect going into this. So I've loved Thundercat for probably since To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. Whenever I can find him on a song, usually as a credit, because his bass, yeah. he's a virtuoso yeah, on the bass, isn't he? Definitely. He's so good. And he, I don't know, the tone that he has is probably one of my favorite tones ever, like mm. just sound wise. He's very versatile as well, you know. He's played with a band, there's a thrash metal band called Suicidal Tendencies, and he was their bassist for a while as well. So, To Pimp a Butterfly is one of my favorite albums ever, probably number one. And a large part of that is the sounds, and Thundercat is a big proponent of that. You know, him and Flying Lotus combined, and Flying Lotus production all over this album, it's it's incredible. Like that intro to, to Pimper Butterfly. Yeah, favorite song in the album. I think definitely. You, you got a, yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's yeah, that that's whenever I see Flying Lotus Thundercat, I know it's gonna be a good song. So. Yeah, I was very excited going into this. I kind of figured out Thundercat's personality. And I feel like you have to do that going into his solo albums. You know, he's, he's quite a kooky character. You know, mm. he's, 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 he's got some fun lyrics. And uh, we'll go into that later. But I think once you know his character, yeah. it makes his albums much more I fun. I mean, I listened to this album a few times um, initially. And I was kind of struggling to get into, get into his zone for, it, for the album to click with me. Then I went back and I listened to Drunk in full and I found that kind of helped helped a lot in terms of me kind of getting where he's coming from. Do you know if, if that makes sense? When you start this album, it's in, he's in a different headspace yeah. to Drunk, yeah. you know? It's, it's, it's made very obvious on the first track, uh, you know, Lost in Space is what it's called and that's how he feels, mm. you know, he's, the lyrics are like, hello, is anybody there? That's how he's feeling, he's lost mm. at the moment. He doesn't know his place in the world. And that kind of comes through on the album. I think, you know, he's he's trying to find himself again. And he had a lot of, like, more fun, crazy, stupid lyrics on Drunk. Mm. And this does come through in this album. But I feel like it's kind of in there a bit more subtly. Mm. And you have to look for it more. It does feel like a, like a much more serious album. I, I was hoping you'd go more kooky. But the sound of this album is so good, I can't complain. I think for me with this album, there's there's not a single bad song on it. I think every yeah. song on this album it's, is good. It's the opposite of Party Next Door in that they're all like so good I can't pick a bad one, whereas that was also mm. bad I couldn't pick a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nailed it, yeah. I don't know, I think I think I think with that said though, like for me, I've listened to it loads of times now, like at least five, six times. But it's just it's just not really grabbed me as a whole album as much as a good playlist if you if, right. if, if you know what i mean it's you know i respect it a lot as an album and i have a lot of respect for thundercat as a musician you know flying lotus's production is great and honestly i'm i, I can't really fold this album it's just for me personally it's not mm. it's not done a lot for me um maybe that will change with time maybe it'll be a grower but overall i can kind of see that and uh, Flying Lotus, uh, I think he structures the album like he chose the track mm. listing. And with him, I kind of find like his last album, I struggled with with that as yeah, an album. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, li I liked a lot of individual tracks of that. Same. But maybe that was... Because I think Drunk flowed a lot better as an album 
Whereas this, I can kind of see where you're coming mm. from. But that said, I do love the first two tracks. Interstellar Love was my personal favourite on the album. Like I mentioned before, there's such a nice transition. It flows really well into the second song. Not not like Party Next Door where you didn't realise <laughs> it had changed because of how dull it was. This is just so smooth and you've got the instrumental going into the next one. It's just such a natural phase. Mm. This This track... I can only describe it as a cosmic orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of love, you got Kamasi Washington. Kamasi Washington. Did I yeah, say that yeah. right? His sax is all over this. Obviously, Thundercat's bass. I'm going to keep saying that because you need to mention it it's on every track. Album, it's incredible. Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the drums blaring on this, it's it's so good. Yeah, the drums like that sound crunchy as fuck on this man. I love the bass line, the sax, and. And the groove is incredible. It's magic. Yeah, this had great drum work, but the best was on the third track, I thought. I love Louis. I yeah, love Louis, Louis yeah, Cole. Yeah, yeah. That was... The drums in there, like, he's going mental with it. I don't know who did the drumming on that, but it's mm. it's incredible. He's just spazzing out on it. I feel like, <laughs> I feel really like track great. two and track three, they're, they're very kind of jazzy tracks where you can just kind of zone and follow what the different instruments are doing, which is... What I love about jazz is it's it's just music speaking to you. Kind of turned into this almost anime TV intro <laughs> feeling song. <laughs> Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, it makes sense being Thundercat. Like, just if you listen to the track, it, it sounds like it could be the intro for an anime. I've not thought of that. Barbella in mind. It's it's like it's got that playful theme throughout, and it's yeah. I, I could definitely see it being the intro for an anime. 100%. I have that in mind next time I listen to it. Right, so I want to talk about track 11, King of the Hill. Now, this is Bad, Bad, Not Good. It's such a good one. If you don't know those guys... They're, yeah, they're such a great band, aren't they? They do a lot of hip-hop covers. They work with Ghostface Killer yeah. and all sorts of people. They're an instrumental like kind of jazz group. Listen to the song Way Off with Kate Trinada. That's probably their biggest one. I love they've done uh, an ultimate cover with Have Denzel they? Curry. Oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that. That's good. How did you find their influence on this on this track? As far as I know, the story goes: Lion Lotus, who produced this record, really wanted Bad Bad Not Good and Thundercat to work together. So Bad Bad Not Good sent Flying Lotus like a few of their ideas, and Flying Lotus stitched two of those ideas together. And did his thing to make this track. They both sound incredible. You know, Sly and Lotus and Bad Bad Not yeah. Good. They're both incredible musicians. But I feel like the intro builds a lot. And you're expecting something huge to come out of it. And while what comes afterwards is still really, really good music. It's good listening. And I do really like it. And when I say this, I'm not knocking the song, but I just don't feel like they fit together as one piece of music. Kind of get what, you, what you're saying. I think that the two mm. could work together better, two parts of it. Um, but I definitely was not disappointed by the song. Like I thought it was incredible. The the vocals on here, probably my favourite bit, if I'm being honest. Like just, I, I don't think I've heard Thundercat like this. Like It's very interesting, the vocals. I mean, personally, what I would have preferred is if bad bad not good got in the studio with thundercat and flying lotus mm. and i feel like if they were all 
jamming together in person, they would have come up with something a lot more cohesive and just who knows, maybe a completely different song. I'm try I'm trying to say that without sounding like I don't like the track. <laughs> but that's it's just how I feel. No, I, I, I feel like you. this yeah, is gonna yeah. be a grower, um, if anything. Um but, it's yeah. kind of like last week there was that uh, Dua Lipa track where I wasn't really feeling the production because I felt like I was expecting something bigger from it. Love Again, yeah. Yeah, they, they played the sample and I was yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I expect something bigger with that. So I think we're in opposite sides here. I yeah. think this time, like, with more listens, because you had a certain expectation mm. of the song and it didn't... I heard that song for the first time and I was, it really grabbed me because I was just wondering, where are they going to go from here? Like... How are they going to build on this amazing kind of eerie intro? And I, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't... It didn't go where you wanted it to yeah. go. I think that's something as musicians. Yeah. Like w- When we hear a piece of music, we we kind of, in our heads, we start to sample it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's, that's what I think the best music does, though, is you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. And it's going to take you by surprise. And I don't know. Yeah, it, this is, I think this is just personal preference, to be fair. It's still a great song, mm. great music, but just not doing an awful lot for me. I want to talk about some of the big hits on here. Go for it, go for it. So the first single that we had was Black Quells. Yes. I hope I'm saying that right. I This sold me on the album straight away. Just the, the intro of that song alone is... is so funky and it's 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 just so good that I'm I'm at the point where if people don't like this track I don't trust them. <laughs> I like this track. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say you better like this track. I will fight you if you don't. <laughs> it's just yeah, like if you if you if anyone doesn't like that intro, don't trust them. They they don't have ears. <laughs> <laughs> Mellow funk is what I would describe it as. Had you ever listened to um, Steve Lacey or Steve Arrington before? I I haven't, no. But I felt all the vocalists blend so smoothly on this track. Mm. I wanted to mention that Gambino's on this track mm. and he wasn't in the single. Mm. And I feel like that's a conscious decision because he kind of feels tacked on at the end. And mm. I, I have to say, like not just the way he sounds... But also his verse is talking about a very different topic. Mm. The The track itself is all no more living in fear. It's about overcoming paranoia. Mm. I, f- I guess Gambino kind of links to that, but it feels different because he's talking about mm. tech specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone's dependencies on it. Kind of works, but I feel like maybe it's because they release it as a single without mm. him, but it feels tacked on. I reckon having the Gambino name though, like, it would bring in a lot more plays. Um, it would draw a lot yeah. more people to the album, which is maybe one of the reasons why he's there. But I, re- I really respect Gambino as an artist. Um, yeah, no, definitely. No, <clears throat> I'm not saying his verse is bad. Yeah. I'm just saying it It doesn't feel... Uh, it feels more like an afterthought yeah, yeah. than the, the other vocalists on here, which feel... I, I guess it's because all the other vocalists on here feel so natural. Mm. And they got it so yeah, right yeah, yeah. that Gambino kind of sticks out because of it's that. Like he's if not it was just that Thundercat, much to the track. Yeah, yeah. If it was just Thundercat and then we had a Gambino verse, I, w- I wouldn't probably say anything. I think it'd be fine. Yeah. But 
yeah, I don't think he's adding that much to the track because we've already got mm. like such great vocals yeah, on yeah, here definitely. anyway. So with, with this track, something that I found is I read that Flying Lotus got sent the demo for this track and he really wanted to keep kind of the roughness yeah, yeah, and the yeah. live yeah. feeling of the demo. And I, f- I really felt that with this track. I mean, we've had experience of live demos where you can they can be overproduced. Mm. And I definitely felt with this, it kept that like, kind of rough feeling and it, it was perfectly done. Just don't, don't have anything bad to say, say about this track. I think it's my favourite. You reckon? Yeah. Okay. That's surprising. Mine's still in Interstellar Love. Track 13, Fair Chance. This was the Mac Miller tribute yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so this is Ty Dollar Sign and... Lil B as features. Lil B. And I believe this was Based the, God. This was the last single, wasn't it? Yeah. This came out, I think, pretty close to the album's release. Before I kind of paid attention to the lyrics, musically it was it didn't really capture me that much. Um but then So I, I saw Ty Dollar Sign and Lil B and this is not the song I would have expected, but yeah. having it be the Mac Miller tribute it makes sense. It made a lot you more know, sense it, once I, think... I started listening to the lyrics and kind of just figured out what the song was about. Yeah, once you yeah. figure it out, it it, then yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But on first listen, hearing Lil B <laughs> singing yeah, like that. I feel like with Ty Dolla Sign, yeah, I, I, I like Ty Dolla Sign, right? I, I feel yeah. like he's what Party Next Door wants to be. I think he's very good at creating these beautiful, enchanting melodies and he sings with conviction and he's a lot more musically adventurous and versatile than a lot of his contemporaries. Um, I think if you listen to a lot of his work on Kanye's stuff, for example, where he's a very frequent collaborator with him, if you listen to The Life of Pablo, especially, and a lot of his newer stuff, he's all over that. His solo stuff as well, Mm. he's... He's he's got a very very good gift for melody, um, so I think on this track he really adds a lot. But I can't say the same for Lil B. I I don't think he adds that much to the song at all. And honestly, I would have preferred a solo of sorts. So like, let's say Thundercat <laughs> just playing some shit on the bass or like a synth solo or just anything. I I disagree. I, I like Lil B on like here because it's Lil B, and I think just hearing him like that, like. His singing's not great, let's be honest. Like, he, he can't really sing on this. But I think it kind of makes sense given, you know, the context mm. of the song. And I think it kind of makes him sound more human. You know, he's not trying to... He's not putting auto-tune on needlessly. He's not trying to do these amazing vocals at all. He's just... Mm. It just sounds natural. Like, it just sounds like him. And, like, really heartfelt and honest. Now I want to talk about one of the most beautiful things on this album oh, yeah. Dragon Ball oh, Durag yeah. masterpiece masterpiece it's it's a magical magical song it is that's the only way to describe <laughs> that's it that's all I can say about it yeah it's just it details a man's struggle to seduce a girl in a Dragon Ball Durag <sighs> what, what else is there to say about this track man as far as songwriting goes it, it doesn't get better than this you know, last last week we looked at the weekend. We had we had a whole story going on. You know, he was he's talking about his demons, 
and all this dark shit going on in his head. You've got that much depth yeah. covered yeah, now, in this one song. Dragon Ball Durag. Like, it, it just, it's condensed all into this one song. Exactly. It's so beautiful. I it's, may be covered in cat hair, but still, I still smell good. good. Oh, Who says oh that? Oh my god. Only a genius. Baby girl, I'm a smash in my do-rag. <sighs> Mate, I'm telling you, if, if I was a girl and Thundercat was saying that to me, you know, wouldn't <laughs> even have to think about it. And it's it's got a video directed by Zach Fox. You got Kali Uchis, Haim. It's it's in Kenny Beats back garden. It's a musical treasure. I don't have enough words to describe it. You know, historians are gonna look at this song in a hundred years' time. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna teach this in music classes <laughs> at GCSE. <laughs> it's so good. So one thing I want to mention quickly is Sway. The bass on this, it just reminded me of the cave episode he did where he's, he's spazzing on the bass and his fingers are going crazy. <laughs> the only thing I think was missing from this was the vocals in that, you know. I quite liked him. I'm going to like, find your house. Just ad-libby kind of, just, yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, it worked. I just, I just, I, w- I wanted to. Fair enough. Him to say, I'm going to find your house. I thought that would have <laughs> been funny, but it's fine. We have the cave video for that. And yeah, there's just some like really nice interludes on here, and it's just all so good, man. Mm. I think what's what's the one with Zach Fox overseas? It's it's just like a fun little minute song about him talking to a girl on an aeroplane. Mm. Then you have Zach Fox doing the announcement. Yeah. Says he he has sloppy toppy. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, it's actually a really nice intro into Dragon Ball Do-Rag. So it sets the sets the tone going into Dragon Ball Do-Rag. And yeah, I think it's beautiful. So wrapping up now, I just want to say that the sound of this album is incredible. Like we went from Party Next Door where all the instruments are turned down to this album where they're all turned up to 10. Like it's it's incredible. It's not just fun to cat. It's all the people that have collaborated to work on this. You have some amazing musicians in there. I feel like for me, um, it was it was the sound of the album that kind of held it down a bit. I, th- I think, I think instrumentally, all the performances were amazing. You know, every musician on here did an an incredible job. But I would have liked some if it felt a bit too the mixes, the productions. They all just felt a bit too tight a bit too clustered together. I would have liked something a lot more okay. open, a lot more just sound a lot more big sounding, a lot brighter. I feel I kind kind of get that. There were some places where it felt a bit muddy. Yeah. It, it, I think there's there's some places where it could have done with a better mix. I think that's or... what was really kind of stopping me getting into the album for for my for my first few listens was just how it sounded. I mean, Farlow's an amazing producer, so it's not like he's not capable of this. I definitely reckon it was an artistic choice, but I just feel it was missing. So I think there's songs like like Black Quells. I think that's perfect. I wouldn't change anything on that track. I think the mix was was perfect. I have no faults for that track. I actually really like the the closer. It is what it is. I really like the instrumental section afterwards. So for this album, I'm going to have to give it an 8 out of 10. An 8 out of 10? Well, okay. 8 out of 10, yeah. I am going to give it a 6.5 out 
out of ten. Six and a half. Yeah. That's coming in lower than I thought. This is just my personal opinion. I just, I, I just want to clarify, Thundercat, Flying Lotus, if you're listening to this, I love you guys as musicians. It's just this <laughs> album isn't doing much for me, but I hope you keep making music because I think you're both great. Wow, I, I wasn't expecting six and a half. I thought you'd be higher. Nah, it's just, just not really resonating with me, man. With me, I, w- I went eight. And even I thought that was a, a little bit low, but there were parts, like you said, the mix and things that I feel stopped it from being any higher. Um, I think, yeah, the, there's parts, they, they could be a bit more adventurous. There's, you know, there's there's room for improvement here, definitely. But I just thought, you know, I can't give it lower than an eight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll change. It might change. Who knows? It might be a grower. I might dislike it more. Who knows? We'll see in a month. So next week, we're going to be discussing Tory Lanes. We're going to complete the trilogy of Canadian <laughs> R&B. Started with The weekend, then Party Next Door. We're also going to be talking about The Strokes, which are one of my favourite bands. Same, yeah. We haven't done rock or indie on here yet, so that'd be an interesting mm. one. And so we'll check that out next week. All right, cool. Let's close this up. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.